Welcome to the One Small Change podcast with me, Dr. Simon Chard. I'm a cosmetic dentist, public speaker and startup entrepreneur, but most importantly, I'm a lifelong disciple of self-improvement and optimization. In this podcast, we present conversations with world-class industry leaders, sharing their expertise in high performance, spirituality, business and health. It's my job to dissect their key behaviours, routines and mindsets so that you can implement them today to create balance and success in your life. Today's episode is brought to you by Enlightened Tooth Whitening. As a cosmetic dentist, I've used Enlightened to provide tooth whitening results for my patients since I qualified. And the reason that I always come back to Enlightened is they guarantee that B1 result that means my patients are always happy with the outcome. So if you're a dentist, I'd thoroughly recommend reaching out to Enlighten to do one of their free online training courses. And if you're a patient, have a chat with your dentist today about Enlighten Tooth Whitening or even look out for one of their regional centres of excellence. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 23 of the One Small Change podcast. On today's show, we have Mr. Danny Gray, the founder of revolutionary men's makeup brand, Warpaint for Men. During his childhood years, Danny was severely bullied at school about his appearance, experiences which he describes as changing his life forever. He develops anxiety and body dysmorphia, which he still struggles with today. This led to him using his sister's makeup as a teenager, and he's worn makeup ever since. Danny launched his brand, Warpaint for Men, in 2017 to try and break down the stigma around men using makeup. And since launching, the brand has been on a rapid growth trajectory. It's now available at retail outlets all over the world, including Harvey Nicks, John Lewis and Reese, to name just a few. It had one of the most successful Dragon's Den pitches ever seen. And and in a truly incredible move recently, the brand has become the first makeup brand ever to sponsor a football team with Norwich City FC. And also in a world first, sponsoring the Wigan Warriors Rugby League team. And it doesn't get much more manly than a Northern Rugby League team. So I'm really excited to hear about how that came about. Um, Danny and I have been trying to get this chat together for a long time now and uh, I'm really excited to go really deep with him on our shared topics of passion, entrepreneurship, mental health, uh, topics that uh, listeners will know I'm I'm really, really uh, passionate about. So very, very excited for today's chat. Danny, welcome. How are you doing? Thanks. Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on. I know it's been a nightmare trying to tech issues and everything but i'm good to go today so we got we got there we got there in the end so um as i mentioned in your uh, in your intro there danny you've it sounds like you've had a real journey both personally and and that sort of filtered into your uh, entrepreneurship journey as well I, i'd love to hear from from your end and i'm sure you've told the story many times but i'd love to hear from your end um how your experiences as a child led to mental health problems which then indirectly led into the foundation of, of this incredibly successful brand yeah so like, as you touched on I, I got bullied at school it wasn't for too long it was only like a couple of weeks but my ears were literally right angles to my head so and like, i'd never noticed them if i'm honest and then a couple of it was like three lads so i can i can, I can picture myself now on the playground exactly the first time they're singing and they started singing oh kelly i believe i can fly and then started taking the mick out of my ears and then Literally from that day, I, I, you know, it was the first time I really noticed my ears, I just started obsessing about them. So, so much so that even for, I think four or five months later at 12, I had my ears pinned back on the NHS. Um, but it didn't go back quite far enough because uh, it was a new type of operation. But so I still obsessed about my ears and that led on to other things. So when I got to 14, 15 years old, when I got spots, you know, I didn't get acne, just spots. That was a massive thing for me. Uh, turned to my sister who literally gave me a bit of concealer. And that I couldn't believe what product could do. Uh, I couldn't believe how it could help. And so I've been wearing makeup for the last 20 years. About, and it's about wearing it for myself, yeah, to give me confidence. But look, as, a, as a straight guy, that especially as a straight guy, that was seen as a big taboo. So I didn't really talk about it. But then growing up through those 20 years, I always felt there was a need for a men's focus brand just because... You know, I, I would never go into a store and buy a woman's brand, especially something as feminine as makeup. And look, the other thing for me is that I want to have a different type of makeup, right? I want it very light, matte finish, no floral smell to it, where all the foundations were quite heavy. So I decided to create my own brand uh, and we launched in November 2018, but it took about a year 
14 months actually of development before that so um, that's the reason that I created the brand because I knew there would be a lot of other guys out there in my shoes who probably wouldn't try it without there being something they could relate to or a male focused brand and it, the education for me as well so I felt women not overcomplicate it but make it seem like it's a 45 minute routine it's very complicated where for me it literally takes me five minutes um, and it's you know I taught myself how to apply it so I realised there wasn't a massive science behind it because you can always redo it so I wanted to sort of encapsulate that in a yeah, absolutely. And I think you've done that in spades and it, and it is very, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a very, it's beautiful. And I love branding. Uh, and my brand obviously is obviously fairly monochromatic as well, but it's, it's a real nice sort of black, white writing, very bold, very simple, but very sort of classy and masculine at the same time. So it's a really, a really nicely designed, um, you know, branding. There's an in, interesting point uh, about that, which not a lot of people know just before, um, so I, for the first 40 months developing the brand, I went for a completely different look. Um, and it wasn't what it was today. And literally two months before we were going to launch, I was looking at it going, it's just not right. And so we had everything. I bought products, I bought stock, and I was like, right, wow. scrap it and start again. Literally two months before we launched. So that's because we launched back another two what months. What did it look like before? But, uh, do you know what? If I was in my office, I could show you one, but it literally had a head on it. It was a bit like Barbara. Okay where, you know, Barber round signs where probably five years ago, eight years ago, it was quite on trends, mm. where I just saw, when I launched three, like, two, 28 months ago, that was, like, it was come to the end. So I wanted to make it more clean, simple. So, yeah, it was probably one of the best decisions I made. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's iconic and, and so different from everything else in the sector, which I think is so important. Um, I mean, having the idea, and, and you can see the thought process there behind the idea, but having the idea and executing on it are two very different things. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more on a granular basis about like was the decision you obviously have invested a lot of money at the start without any real proof of concept because it was kind of creating its own sector how did you have that confidence to uh to go all in on it and especially with with I think this was this your first startup that you'd done like you didn't have any experience I've done well I've done a few little bits yeah. so I had a bouncy car business when I was okay, 16 nice. believe it or not so not on the same scale uh, I ran my dad's business so you know I've always been very entrepreneurial but never started a full business um, but what, one thing someone said once was to me when I had the idea they said look 5% five, is inspiration 95% perspiration in terms of you know the idea is the little bit it's actually getting it to yeah, market absolutely. Um, but the other thing I say as well is that I was, my gut was telling me that there, need, there was a need for this. And because of the growth of men's grooming and skincare, all you look at is skincare and say, well, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, guys hardly wore deodorant, the older generation, where skincare has become a massive part of a man's routine. And look, skincare does not make you live a day longer. It's not going to prolong your lifespan. You know, it doesn't improve your health. What it does is reduce wrinkles and that makes you yeah. feel better. So it's exactly the same with using a bit of makeup, but you're covering up maybe an imperfection. So... For me, it was a natural progression. I wasn't, and the other thing I'd say as well, you shouldn't always wait till you're 100% sure on anything because you'll never be 100%. So for me, if you're 70%, you need to go both barrels for it. So I did test the market, create the brand, create a website, bought some product in from China, right? Put some badges on it. Like, look, you can, because in China, this is the difference. You can buy 100 yeah, units. Just white label. Yeah. Plastic or, yeah, white label it. Put it out there. Got, I think I've got seven sales in two days. Buzzing. So I was like, right, stop. <laughs> yeah, I was like, right, stop. I need to do it properly. So then I wanted to go and invest and create my own actual makeup and formulate it. But then that is extremely expensive and it's very difficult to get in front of the right manufacturers because you are, you know, I want to do a men's mm -hmm. makeup brand. But luckily, I went through three different manufacturers, found one who had just been, you know, been incredible for me, reduced their MOQ, but still my opening order was 92 grand, including because I, I, I've, source all my packaging as well right because what they could do was private label it and they've got packaging mm -hmm. there and bottles but it just wouldn't be what i wanted the brand to look like very feminine so i had to go away and source all my own packaging and buy in bulk so i pre-issued everything uh so look, i think to start it cost me 150 grand right and that was without single, selling yeah. a single product and then we launched in so it's a big risk you know remorse my house so my cars watches everything i had quit my full-time job and then it started in November 2018. And first month, I said we'd probably sell two grand in my forecast. We did 11. 
grand. Second month we did 28, third month we did like 36. And I was like, okay. Um, and it was me and a 19 year old girl in a flat that first month, picking and packing orders. And it's gone from there, mate. So that, that growth curve for the first three months is pretty pretty impressive. How did you drive growth so quickly with obviously no one knew who you were at that point? You didn't have um, uh, a huge budget for marketing, I assume. How did you manage to drive such rapid growth um, other than obviously just market demand was there, that was clear, but you've still got to get it in front of people's eyes, right? Yeah, yeah look, so my, my cash I had left was 20 grand, right? So that was cash I had to spend on ads, pay, pay myself, pay the girl who was working for me. Um, and we did it through social, right? But what we did a little bit different was uh, there were some other men's brands out there, but uh, they were doing it very different. It was very, I don't want to say feminine, but it looked mm-hmm. like a female brand, like packaging, website, everything they were doing, where we came in from a different angle and... You know, I use ta- I use models with tattoos up to their necks, right? Which three, four years ago was on trend, very trendy. No one was using those type of models. So that, then using that through social and our, the way we did content as well, which is very different, that seemed to work. Look, we got pelters for it, absolute pelters, like like ridiculed, horrible messages on social. You know, we went viral in America. We went viral on Twitter. Twitter. Um, we were trending number one in the world for a day. Amazing. And that was because we had 8 million, view, 8 million views in 24 hours because we put a video on Twitter on Twitter, and it just got it got lambasted by everyone in the world. So we're on ABC News, Good Morning America. Oh, like I thought the brand was dead. But you learn a lot when you start going and thinking, you know, it was very difficult at that time because I thought everything was gone and like, you know, it was we were in every newspaper you can imagine. When I put the phone down in the office, it was ringing the next day with Daily Mail, Yahoo News, like everyone in an interview, GQ magazine. But it gave us a brand. And where you get this, we were getting a lot of pelters this end. We had a lot of people saying, well, I like what you're doing, you know, and we had record sales. So quite, you know, because we went out there a little bit. That's And that's the thing, if, you, if you're vanilla, if you're in the middle, you're not going to create a buzz or, or anything where when we went, to that scale with it you know it was very difficult because it was hard to take but it, it, it we got re- like everyone wrote about us so everyone started on this knew who we were not everyone but we were in every magazine every pe- uh, beauty magazine uh, but for a negative sense but it, it, it started the discussion about men's makeup because before then there was hardly any any press written about men's makeup and then since then we've been in over well, 580 now because we track every bit of press we've been on. So in two years, 580. And these are like top, top. We were like, um, J-Lo. Do you know J-Lo? <laughs> obviously J-Lo. Her ex. Everyone knows um, J-Lo, right? Of course you know J-Lo. <laughs> um, her ex is just brought uh, out a brand. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The baseball, no, he, baseball player. Is he or something like that? Yeah, so he, he's brought oh, okay. out a concealer, right? So CNN did a piece on it and it's got Rodriguez brings out makeup and the first yeah. brand they talk about is Warpaint. That's brilliant. You know, and that, yeah, it's amazing. Like, it's, I can't believe it for honest, but the could, but we would never have got that if we hadn't gone through all that shit yeah. at the beginning, you know, and that was because we, we created. Well, let, let's talk about that bit because that's the part that I'm fascinated about with regards to how we've started this chat and what I don't know about you and, and your history is that on one side, you've got this, anxiety this body dysmorphia um which i've been very open in the past i i struggle to a certain degree with anxiety myself um and i know that putting myself out there in any format whether that be me lecturing on a stage to dentists or whether me putting myself out there as an entrepreneur or or going on dragon's den which i'm sure we'll talk about later on um or on the news or whatever it's it, it obviously heightens those feelings of anxiety now i can only imagine that when you had all of this negative press when you were in the eye of that storm um, very early on in the business. How was that for you? At the time, could you see the, the, the huge light at the end of the tunnel? Or were you like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever and just in a complete hole of anxiety, which is what I imagine I would be like because my, my skin is very, very thin. And um, any, anything, anyone says anything negative about me, I, feel, I take it very personally. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's a good point. So, 
look, 10 years ago, when it, well, about eight years ago, when I was about 28, I was seriously bad with body, body dysmorphia. Like, it was consuming me every minute of every day. So I reached out, got help, talked about it. And, like, for example, now, right, I'm sitting, I'm here, and I, I haven't put gel in my hair, right? Because I'm, I'm going to get my hair cut, like, after this. Because um, I get my hair cut once a week as part of my routine to help me manage. But before, I would never have been able to do this without my hair being done. But that's because I'm learning and I feel more confident in myself. But back then, you know, when it when, when I launched the brand, what I didn't do was talk about my story. It was on there, on the About Us page, but it was a bit of text and like, we, I didn't really focus on that. But when we got the pelters, what I did see was everyone was just lambasting the brand and what we're trying to do. Like, and the backlash, by the way, is all women. 80% of it on Twitter was women just saying, it's, it's ridiculous you just, buy, you just buy a female brand. But that's the point for me. It's almost like, well, that's always been available and guys aren't doing it. Yeah, and guys who could benefit from it wouldn't walk in a store, go up to a woman's counter, ask a woman about makeup because they just wouldn't feel comfortable. But what I did, didn't see was people, no one in the press took was talking about my story and going, well, it's ridiculous, you know. So that made me think, well, look, they need to understand why I've created this brand. So when literally three months later, I was filming Dragon's Den. No, actually, that's a lie. That month it went viral, I, was, I filmed Dragon's Den, believe it or not. I went viral at the beginning of May. Wow. At the end of May, I was filming Dragon's Den. When I went to, it was so weird. Right? I was driving up to Dragon's Den the day before, as you probably know. Um, and I had to pull over to do interviews really? with, with America on the way up there about this negativity that we received. And then when I went to Dragon's Den, I made a decision like the first thing I'm talking about is me, you know, and why I started the brand. And like for me, that was a big thing because, you know, all my family and my mates, close people knew that I suffered with this animal makeup, but the, my wider people who knew me didn't know. You know, they didn't know I bought this morphia, I Jack the Lads out you know always seem happy and like so it was a massive thing for me on dragon's den and then after dragon's den came out as you know it's quite even though i knew i had five to get uh the lead up to it coming out was nerve-wracking because i yeah. knew then it'll be out not like, massive and everyone will know but the reaction i got was just overwhelming you know, so for those people that haven't, those listeners that haven't seen uh, Danny's uh, episode, uh, if if you're going to go on Dragon's Den, I'd recommend watching it because we certainly took so many positive tips from uh, from Danny's uh, pitch and uh, and the way that he handled the whole thing. It was it was he got five offers; they were fighting over him. And um, I'd love to. Oh, there's a couple of points there actually that I want to come back to, but. The first thing is, just tell us more about the whole experience of Dragon's Den. I mean, how did you find it? How long were you in there for? I mean, we were in there for two and a half hours, um, which was pretty brutal. But I'd love to know um, what your experience of the whole thing was. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it's so weird. We were both in there, you know. Um, but it's very nerve-wracking. And look, um, I, when I, do you know what it is? Like in anything in life, right? You, if you, if you, you're always selling. Yeah, people forget this. Like everything you do, you sell, right? If you're a marketing person and you create a bit of content or something, you, you're effectively you're trying to sell your bit of content, an idea to even if it's your boss, right? About what you think it should look like, and and if you're passionate about something, that's quite easy, you know. And if you've got the answers for everything, you should be very confident. So I was confident about having the answers, you know. About we've we've done two hundred grand in like six months in revenue. Um, you know, I knew the numbers. But going in, I was very nervous because of the backlash I had received before. If it went poorly on Dragon's Den, I promise mm. the brand would have probably died because I, I couldn't have gone there then got absolutely ridiculed yeah. or like, no, it's ridiculous what you're doing. So that was, that's what I was nervous about. Not about do I have the answers, it's about what the reaction would be. And in the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I got grilled, as you probably expect. But... Uh, really? And it was by Theo Papitas, out of all people, you know. Uh, yeah, no, he just grilled me. They do that to see. But then after about 20 minutes, then Peter Jones just come out and said, look, or a bit longer probably, but half an What was that quote? What was the quote he said? He was saying, I'm ready to put my war paints on, right? <laughs> yeah, he says, uh, I'm going to put my war But he says, like, I love you. I love the brand. I love everything you've done. I was a bit, and then... All of a sudden, for the first time, I relaxed because I was, like, I, was yeah. like, I didn't expect him to come out and just say because he hadn't said a lot. And he said, I'm going to put my wall paint on. And then, and then from that point, it was very positive. But, you know, I made the decision before I went on there to reduce my equity. Last the equity minute, you were offering, bit, you mean? You know, and so when I was, 
Yeah, and when I was negotiating towards the end, I was so like adamant that I wasn't going above ten percent, you know. And then when they come at twenty, that's why the negotiation. I was just like, I literally walked away. I would have. So I think that was why that negotiation's gone. It went viral afterwards. It was bizarre. People, it was. It's, excuse me, it was trending and then people saying, because I was around my, my sister's house with loads of mates to watch it, right? And obviously so nervous. And it was just, <laughs> yeah. it was men. Oh my God. Yeah. But then everyone's going, yeah, it was like a football game. Everyone's cheering. You know, I was like, back and, and then afterwards I was upset and like, emotional because obviously and then they were like, God, they were like, Daniel trending. <laughs> like, no socks is trending. And they were saying, no. Same here. Because I had no socks. It was like, no socks for, for, Bre- no socks for, for Brexit. Brexit and stuff like this. So, uh, yeah, I know. And then the next day, um, the Daily Mail said it was the best one in 14 years. And that was a bit, and then, yeah, and then it, it got in the press quite a bit afterwards, which yeah. is quite rare for Dragon's Den to happen. So it was just crazy, mate, but it was after that that turn round. But we were in there, I was in there about an hour and 45, and got, um, I'll tell you what, at the end, mate, uh, well, if anyone does hasn't seen it, well, if you do watch it, there's a bit where I go, look, Tate and Peter, who I wanted, because what was happening, they were all then going to join up together and start, and I just said, before we even get into that, I was knackered. You know, like, right, like, yeah. so I just wanted, because otherwise it would probably be another half an hour. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, and when I come off, one of the directors who was there says, that's the best one that's I've done awesome. in seven years. And that sort of hit me a little bit. And then I went outside and called my missus and just, that hit me then, you know, because yeah. then the pressure was like, I just, I couldn't talk. I was just bawling my eyes out because I really, I sort of, I was like, it was, it was everything in what an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, all, all of the last, well, I guess, two years of uh, of work to get to that stage, right? Two, three years. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So um, it was, it was great, and then we got a lot of reaction afterwards, and people wanted to talk to me and stuff. So yeah, it's good. When I came out, the director said to me, um, "You were sweating quite a lot, and they really crashed the focus in on one of your sweat beads." Oh my! So I I was like, "Oh, cheers!" Okay, so the whole I said to all my mates, "I'm like, lads, it went really well." Uh, we had some offers like from Tej and Deborah, exactly who we wanted. Like, I'm, I'm really chuffed with it, but I'm very nervous. That I'm literally going to look like I'm on my Peloton. <laughs> yeah, I know. it's mad. It's mad, isn't it? It's, it was. Um, yeah, it's I made the mistake of wearing a double-breasted thick suit, and it was about 28 degrees last oh, September. Was, so, oh my god, yeah, I that was a big mistake. Just a t-shirt, really comfortable. Yeah, um, but so you, I don't. My understanding is that you didn't. That deal obviously didn't go through in the end. What 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 happened there? Because I know that happens a reasonable amount after after Dragon's Den. People seem to think that when a deal is done in the den, that's that's the end of it, and they just hand the money over and that's it. But there's a lot of due diligence that goes on before and after, and accountancy and and all these sort of real workings of businesses that people don't get to see. What what happened with your situation? How did that end end up? So I, uh, well, look, I think if you go into an investment and you've only got one option, you're not doing your job right. So I had different options on the table. Um, so it just wasn't, you know, I just decided it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, wasn't the right one. Yeah, that was it really. And look, Sage and Pete um, were good, like fine, but, you know, they're quite keen to make it happen. But just for me at the time, it wasn't right. So I waited another six months. And then six months later, we actually raised 1.3 million. So, uh, and on Dragon's Den, I was raising 70,000. So I, I managed to then keep it going for another six months without raising money. Yeah. And then I raised 1.3 million for, you know, not a lot more than what I was giving around the den. So, yeah. Um, that's why I did it. You know, because to prove concepts a little bit more. Yeah. And then, um, and then, but also it's tv and i think people have to understand that tv on tv they're going to go it's not necessarily how these things happen in real life the equity discussion is is always a lot more in the dragon's favor i think when you're you're, you're in their den <laughs> so um when you're the startup and you, as you say when you've got a proof of concept you've got proof of product market fit and that sort of thing um you're in a much stronger position as the uh as the as the incumbent brand um and there's a lot of opportunity for that investor to make a lot of money in in that arrangement i think yeah definitely definitely so i just think it's not it is real world but that's not necessarily 
potentially when you go for a, a seed round or a um, that sort of round like potentially it is like you can just get a, a single investor who might be like that but when you go down to a raising more money it's a bit more nuts and bolts so yeah absolutely yeah we're, we're in the process of, of raising some money at the moment so uh, I'm in that in that round at the moment and it's um, yeah it's, it's, it's complex when it's the first time you're doing it right yeah yeah like if you like shout me if you need a uh, any advice, man? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I definitely will. We've just raised, oh, we've just raised again, actually. We've Have just you? done another circuit, so yeah. With uh, Angel, Angels again, or is this a venture? No, venture well, I was on VC, I'm, I'm VC backed from my last round. Okay. Uh, we've just done another round as well, but we didn't go out to market. Uh, we just did it internally with all our existing VCs investors. Yeah, we raised, which is great because it just shows their belief and what we're trying to do. So Brilliant, brilliant. Congrats on that. That's awesome. Thanks, man. So you mentioned something earlier, which was around the uh, sort of when you were 28, when you were starting the project um, and you, you you reached out for help. And I imagine that's something around therapy or, or something of that sort, but maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to know a bit more about that because I think that's a really crucial part for a lot of people and hopefully anyone out, out there who's struggling with it, maybe trying to manage these things on their own. Uh, and certainly a lot of my guests that have been on the podcast before, Jim Chapman, Matt Willis, Dan Mariserta, um, entrepreneurs and celebrities and, and so on. A lot of them have found therapy and, and actually getting professional help to be really, really powerful. So is is that the line that you went down or did you find help in, in other ways? Um, so when I was 28, which is like seven years ago, I, like, I thought I was losing my hair. Really? And yeah, so for body dysmorphia, I remember now I've got my car from work and I was like, oh, what's that? And then I thought I had a gap up here in my hair. And obviously, you can see now I've, my hair's quite thick. Um, but I obsessed about that for two years. When I say obsessed, by the second, towards the end of the second year, it was literally every minute of every day, like yeah. every minute. That's all I thought about. Um, like watching TV, talking to someone, I'll be looking at their hair. Like, and anyone I had released was having drink or drugs and stuff like that, or going out, you know, and forgetting about it. And then one day I just came in at four o'clock in the morning basically not in a good place. And I woke up my mother-in-law of all people yeah. and just went, they knew something was wrong. You know, they knew I obsessed about the way I look, but no one knows how bad it is inside yeah. your head. I said, I can't cope. Like it's every second and I just can't do it anymore. And then after that, you know, I started talking about it, how much it was affecting me, you know, and all my, like my missus and all my family very supportive. And, you know, I did go to counselling for a bit. But even that, and then I had a hair transplant. Really? But I didn't even I didn't even need a hair transplant. You know, I went in to get it done. They were like, "Why are you here?" But I did it, not to mask it, but it's like that changed everything for me. Believe it or not, even though I didn't really, it's hard to explain. But then off the back of that, I've learned how to manage. Like as I said, I would never come on without my hair done, or you know, I used to get changed eight times before going out, shower four times. Where now I've learned to be. Well, if I'm feeling that way, I need to stop and give myself a break and then go back in while the anxiety build up and build up and build up because then eventually I'm up here. doesn't matter what I do. I'm just not going to be right. And if I'm not right, I wouldn't be able to do this call or I wouldn't be able to go to work. I wouldn't be able to speak to people. So that was the time for me when I, um, it was a like, breaking point, which I don't want people to get to. By yeah, way. of course. That's yeah. the problem. You know, we get artists, helplines and everything are a bit archaic in the way they are because helplines are great, but they're for when people are desperate. And 10 years is the average span of someone first feeling something, is anxiety, depression, anorexia, whatever it is, to reaching out. The average is 10 years. And it just gets worse and worse. It just gets worse and worse until you hit this point in 10 years, right? So if we can get something that can help prevention at this point, or people can understand maybe what they're feeling and manage it, I promise you that will make that'll change the world because people then start being like, maybe I do have anxiety, but there's ways I can deal with it. Because when you're at this point, you think there's no out, so you don't even reach out. Where here, you'd be like, well, what can I do to make myself a little bit feel better? Yeah, so, absolutely. Well, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a lovely tangent into what we were chatting about before uh, the call, which is your your new project that you're working on, which I know is is very in, uh, in the, even more in the mental health space. I guess Warpaint has its mental health uh, angle to it in that it, it, it supports people in that set, in that confidence, body dysmorphia sort of section. But your new project is is very much directly focused at that major, major problem, right? 
Yeah, so for me, the Warpaints is going really well. I get a lot of personal messages, which is amazing. Like people saying, I meet people saying, like, I love your brand and what you stand for. I'm not ready for makeup, but I just love what you're doing, which is, you know, when you think about it, I think it's quite, I just think that's unbelievable because if that's a fashion brand, you're never going to message fashion brands. I love what you stand for, but I'm never going to buy your clothes. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's going to happen. So, you know, and then I was, I've been having calls with uh, customers, with girlfriends, mums, dads, about people with lack of confidence and stuff like that. So I want to give back so much more and I want Warpaint to give back more than just about. And the other thing for me is that you should use products to help you deal with your mental health or anything, right? Not just products. Is it, um, is it going to speak to someone? Is it going to the gym every day? Is it going for a run? Is it wearing a bit of makeup because it's going to support you? But that's a tool to use, but you need to get your mind right as well. So Jack, which I've uh, founded as, as another business uh, and a new project, so it's called JAAQ, and started to just ask a question. Um, I honestly think it's going to change everything about how we access information about mental health. Um, I started it 18 weeks ago, and it's just something that it's unbelievable the traction it's getting. Like, it's scaring me a little bit. So, but that, you know, Warpaint's fun, like funding that, you know, it's taking my time as well, but I just want to do something. It's, a not, it's like a non-profit yeah. side of the business. So it's something that we want to do to give back. And that's the whole thing about talking about prevention, about this is a way for people to access world-leading doctors and get questions answered without having to go or wait. For example, go to your local GP about body dysmorphia. They go, right, you need to speak to someone who knows what you're talking about. I'm going to refer you to the NHS, 32 yeah. weeks lead time. So if you imagine someone who's gone through that 10 years, then they reach out because they go, oh my God, I can't cope. You go to the local GP and they go, when you first they say, I can't cope, I need help, because now you're at breaking point. They go, we've got to wait for 82 weeks. And in that first in that first session with that doctor, who's a body dysmorphia expert, what are you going to do? You're just going to ask questions about what body dysmorphia is. Is there medication? Is there this? Is there, does it affect your sex life? Is there a cure for it? How does it affect other people? And by the way, it's not just that. It's about asking, how do I help someone in that situation? What's the yeah, worst thing to yeah, say really, to someone? Really important. And all of that, all of that information is answered for you on Jack in a very a way that's never been done before with the world leading doctors. So I'm very excited about what. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, that I, I've never thought about that wait time before and how. I mean, depending on the severity of the mental health issue, that could be the, the difference between someone living and dying in, in that 32-week period if, if it's at a, a level of suicidal ideation or or anything of that sort. So it's... Um... Well, you've got, to, you've got to think about it as well. So that's just the tip of the iceberg, yeah? So these people have reached out and are saying that I'm struggling. Like, that is here. Can you imagine? So the iceberg goes like that. All these people who are first experiencing mm. something down here it just leads up to this point where you go, I can't cope. So when we've got all these stats and everything about depression or it's tip of the iceberg, you know, it's like almost like what's going on in the pandemic. Like we're testing this amount of people. We haven't got a clue how many people have got it. It's just yeah. been tested. Exactly the same with mental health, right? And the other thing for me about mental health is a dirty word. Mental health is not a illness and it's not, a, like there are illnesses, depression, anxiety, but it's mortality, anorexia, all these things. But mental health is every second of every day. You know, like it's not just, it's about how you manage your mental health. So I want to try and destigmatize that a little bit as well and be like, but it's fine to explore about mental health because it's, if you get some tips, that, that's what can genuinely help you, even if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I always look at mental health like physical health. Like you go to the gym, not because you have a medical condition. You go to the gym and, well, many people go to the gym for many different reasons, but you, you, you maintain good health to try and prevent illness from getting to a state where it needs medical intervention that's the way we should be looking at mental health as well right like we need to be constantly thinking about how we um how we balance our lives how we have more exercise eat better food have better sleep have better relationships with people who are close to us all of those factors play a part in our mental health and and whether or not it's going to get to a level where it turns into a disease as opposed to just Five days out of the month, I feel anxious. Definitely. Ten days out of the month, I feel anxious. That sort of thing. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. So, hopefully, so Jack will be launched in the next few months, and I think it will get hopefully. That's super exciting, mate. I love that. So. Can't wait to see how that how that progresses. Um, someone who I saw you speaking with, who I know is a big 
supporter of uh, what you guys are doing at Warpaint, and I'm sure he's a massive supporter of this, is uh, where you did an interview with Stephen Fry uh, around uh, changing stereotypes. Um, I'd love to hear about how that came about um, and what stereotypes you feel need changing in, in 2021. Where are, where are we at with that now? Um, yeah, so that was through Norwich. So obviously I, well, not obviously because not everyone probably know, but I sponsored Norwich City. We uh, won their main sponsors. And I did that because, you know, I think what we try and do as a brand is stuff that's different. And I always think you have to do stuff to make the market, right? So I launched a, I'll leave it, actually here. So I, you know the Haynes manuals? The car manuals. So the publishing house. So Haynes are famous for right for publishing manuals about okay. cars, yeah. So it's an older brand, but they're very they're a huge publishing house. Just been sold for ninety million. They reached out to me about creating the first ever men's makeup manual. So so we published a book with Haynes, and it's got absolutely everything in there from products. We did all imagery in house. You know, this is the first ever book published about men's makeup in the world. But the point is, the only reason I did that, I don't care if we sell a single book. It's about doing something that helps cement the market. Yeah? So doing stuff like sponsoring Lloyd City, I wanted to do that because people will never expect it. And what it does, it starts the conversation. So when I did that sponsorship with Lloyd City, I said, look, it's not about products. I'm not coming on here, by the way, and getting your place and wear makeup because that's absolutely fake. And I did that on a Sky Sports interview, and they were a bit like, well, yeah, because it's, it's fake. That's not what this is about. What's about starting a conversation about when we start about makeup, like by say makeup in men's in sport in football, like that will help break that stereotype around everything. So what I mean, everything is, you know, there's there's not a gay Premiership footballer by 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 law by law of a well sorry by stats or whatever you want to call it. There has to be there has to be, so on average ten percent of men are gay. There's like 3,000 footballers or something ridiculous and there's none of them again, you know. But that's because there's a stereotype around them coming out. Is that still the situation in, in, in the Premiership, for example? So no no players are uh, openly gay? No, no, no players are that's openly mad. gay. Not one player is openly gay. So, and I had a, I had a, com- I had a conversation with... Um, so, but that's why Norwich sit fit us because they had oh, really? the first gay footballer. They, well, they have a pride flag outside the stadium. They're about... So that's why I really like Norwich and what they're about. But that's all about breaking stereotypes. And, Nor- and then Stephen Fry saw what we we're doing, saw a partnership with Norwich, and they approached him. And then it was the first thing in 14 years he'd done with the club. So I had a chat with him, and it wasn't necessarily about makeup. It was just about stereotypes and everything, which was incredible, you know. Is so he? I, he's really tall. I <laughs> came in, I was a bit like, oh, my God. But, um, yeah, really top guy. Um and yeah, look, we did. The, then I've done a sponsorship just recently with Wigan Warriors, right? So it's the same to do the thing there. I went up to speak to them, the team. They wanted to be the whole talk in front of the whole team. First league as well. Players. I mean, you don't, you don't um, get any harder. You don't get any harder or yeah, more masculine than a rugby league they're, team. <laughs> they're absolutely all of them are ripped to shreds. Um, and you know, after my discussion with them, because what I wanted, to, what I wanted to show them was that this. It's not about me coming to put, put, put makeup on you. I told my story and what I'm trying to do. And like afterwards, the reaction was just unbelievable. And then we were on Sky and stuff again. And the, the headline on Sky was not wall paint. It was Wigan put on the wall paint to tackle mental health. So that mm. is exactly why we did that as sponsorship. You know, it's nothing about... So the return on investment for us, you know, well, I don't care if it's a single product. It's about that is the message. So I'm just really happy it came across like that because that's what I want to do. And, you know, that's what I enjoy doing. Like trying to, you know, like even the content we put out with Wigan, it was me playing rugby. You know, I played football at a half decent level, you know, but yeah. I wear makeup. Doesn't matter. You know, let anyone do whatever they need to do to be the real them. If you want to wear, if you're a guy and you want to wear a dress, you go and wear a dress. If that's what, if, if that's what you want to do and it makes you feel you. And if everyone could just let everyone do that, the world's going to be a better place. And if we can break the mould, if someone gets feminine's makeup, it will lead on to a lot more things about guys being comfortable. Because I talked about this the other day, right? If you think about, so sexism, yeah? So back in years ago, 50s, women stayed at home. 
they didn't go to work. They got glammed up. Guys went to work. They went to the pub. They didn't wear deodorant. They would come home and wouldn't get glammed up for them. What's happened right in society is that women are now getting into the workplace and becoming very senior and it's been more level playing field. It's still not where it should be, but it's moved on a lot. What hasn't moved on is the flip of that. So guys who went to work, but when it comes to their feminine aspect about looking after yourself or getting glammed up or, you know, feeling confident in how you look, that's still behind, but it's catching up. So if you look at that in a, in that sort of way, that's all I think we need to do. It's like women are trying to get equal rights and, you know, in the workplace and everything, which a hundred percent should be right. But then for me, it's about the guys thinking, you know, where we're still archaic around guys go to work, guys go down the pub. They don't really care about how they look. They're going to talk about their feelings where women, they used to stay at home, get ready, get dressed up, but they would talk to all their friends about their feelings. That is what we need to shift for guys to be able to do that. What women are very good at. You know, and the other way around, what we need to shift for women is women need to have equal rights in the workplace and everything else and not be sexist and be able to play football. You know, that is where we are catching up and hopefully we're playing a very, very small part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I think that those, I mean, for those that haven't seen it, that when Danny says he's he's sponsoring the teams, he literally means war paint for men is on the chest of these shirts that the rugby league players and the uh, and the Norwich players uh, have on their on their team shirts. And I think for for Joe Bloggs, who's who's sitting in in Wigan watching the rugby league game, for them to see that and to see that uh, their team that they're so passionate about, and thousands and thousands, tens tens of thousands of people watch these teams on a weekly basis for them to see that the uh the teams that they're so passionate about and and in a very masculine alpha driven environment to be supporting uh to be supporting that what what in essence points a direction towards equality and acceptance of things that are natural and part of of the human condition and part of of all animal conditions I think is uh, is really really powerful, and I, and I don't think it's a small part. I think it's a massive part. I can't think of a bigger statement in such a masculine environment than than what you're doing with that. So it's really great. And they won, the, and Norwich went up this season. They won the championship. So uh, and we've just renewed. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, we've just we, we just renewed the deal with them. So we're we're going to be in the Premiership with them. You know, so which is incredible. Spectacular. So. That's awesome. Have you met Delia Smith yet? Because I know she's I big. No. Big... I've <laughs> that's um that's what first comes to mind when i think of norwich i think of delia uh brilliant um yeah yeah that one (laughs) on radio one all the time isn't it yeah um so we talked a lot about about your successes uh with the brand and and it seems like it's just going from strength to strength but i'm a big fan of talking about failure on this podcast Mm. and um and how failure shapes us because I do believe that you can't succeed your way to success and you you need to fail your way there and that we should uh in in discussions of, of changing mindset that we need to change our um our mindset around failure so that we don't let it negatively impact on our mental health I guess which is is kind of a nice uh closed loop there but I'd love to hear a bit more about your failures and and how you how you manage those how you deal with those nowadays at the beginning, it was really tough, you know, so especially as a, as a founder, it's a very lonely place, you know, especially when I started, um, I had no one really talked to and everything's on you, you know, all the decisions you make, which is very, very hard. Luckily now, I've got a much bigger team around me and I've got a lot of people who are a lot better at stuff than I am um, in those positions, which I think that's a big thing to learn that I'm not great at everything, you know, I'm great at ideas and stuff like that. But when it comes to other bits, need a team around you but failing is shouldn't be afraid of it and if you're going to fail fail fast that's such a cliche saying but it's true you know if something's not working like try it and it's just it's a learning and i've had a lot you know it looks like from the outside that everything's rosy and we're doing really well but trust me behind this it's like a swan yeah you know on the top they look like they're gliding but at the bottom they're absolutely paddling away you know and that's what happens in every business and you should be afraid of it. Um, it's really hard though. And a lot of times I used to get dubbed down and come home and worry about everything all night and think. And the other thing was about, I've got, impo- I get imposter syndrome, right? Every day. So not as much anymore, but I still do where, you know, how am I going to do this? How can I can't do this? I need someone else to do it for me. You know, I'm not going to be able to make this brand as big as it is. 
And that's, I think, what a lot of people have at the start is the belief in yourself. And I didn't have it. You know, I might have seemed very confident, but for this morphia and anxiety, that's what happens. You know, you've got on a brave face, but behind and, you know, stuff doesn't go right. You know, we're in viral. Um, we've had, <sighs> I've had points where I've had no money in the bank, like no money. You know, I'm thinking this could all go fall apart, you know, and I just, it, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. But it's the best thing I've ever done. You know, I can't wait to go to bed at night. I just can't wait to go up in the morning, which I feel very privileged to be in that position, you know, because I enjoy everything I do. Um, but the failings are everywhere, everywhere. And you've just got to be like, right, accept that they're going to happen. When before, when a failing, like a bit like if someone is negative towards me or says I'm not doing something right, I used to take that so personally. Like the use assignment really, really affected me where I've learned now to, to, to deal with that. And we are going to get things wrong and we are going to not do the right thing. But that's part of learning. But at the beginning, that's really hard, really hard. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the good thing about being a startup founder is that you fail so much that it almost desensitizes you to it. Because <laughs> yeah. there's just there's so many micro failures on a day to like little niggles. This isn't going quite right. This this bit of content's not quite right. The copy here is wrong. This article's come out about us and they haven't said this correctly. Like there's there's so many uh, little issues like that that certainly I'm finding. And we're well, what do we launch twenty? march 2020 um even over the last year or two it's been uh so many of those that it's becoming less of a heart-sinking moment every time if you know what i mean yeah and it's i like to learn like i like, I like anything i do i was gonna share my garden right but my, like, i planted one one plant in my garden and then i was obsessed with gardening you know, just the way I am. Yeah, but, but you're I'm also like, with the same age, mate, and I'm I'm starting to get obsessed with gardening, so I think it's just a getting old thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll just start. Then I'll learn about it, and all I'm saying failings is part of that. You know, if something's not going right, like I could have a chat with a startup now and give them a lot of advice compared to where I was two years ago, and that's in like two and a half years what I've learned. But mm. everyone will learn that. Everyone will go through that, and. You know, that's where you realise actually it's it's making you a founder. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Those failings are if everything went right all the time, I promised you you'd be weak. You'd be you wouldn't be a founder. Yeah. Because it's impossible and you wouldn't learn and you wouldn't accept failings and you know like that. It's just about getting your head but I used to be really bad at it. You know, if stuff wasn't going right, I used to question everything all the time. Mm. Come on, this isn't gonna work, it's not gonna go. How are we gonna go from X amount of revenue a month? To X amount, I should be, oh my God, how the hell are we going to do it? Now, we're out of that revenue comfortably every month. Now I'm looking at the next revenue and going, it's like a boxing match. So it's like, being a founder is like a boxer, right? So you train and train and train. Then you go and do your first fight. You go through 12 rounds. It's hard work. It's hard graft. You get the win. What happens next? The bigger, tougher opponent comes. Yeah. Then you go back through those 12 rounds again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And that's what's going to happen. It doesn't, when you get to a certain point, it's not like, oh, I've got there. It's going to be easy. On a coast from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's what you've got to accept and be like, you've got to just take it head on and, yeah. Absolutely. And just enjoy what you're doing as well, right? Because the first 80 months, I probably didn't. I was overstressing myself. Where now, right this second, I'm probably in the best place I've ever been in my life, ever. That's brilliant. Right, right this second, talking to you. And, that's through learning and learning how to deal with yourself learning how to deal with pressure learning how to do failings learning how to do your relationships learning how to do everything you know so just be accepting of those failings because it'll make you a better person yeah really really powerful and i think especially where when, when we hear about your story and how it, it seems as though actually the pressure and the, and the failings of your founder life have condensed you down into this position of happiness or certainly helped with that uh, it, it would seem Common sense would seem like it would be the opposite. You have lots and lots of negatives and failure, and then it pushes you the other way, and things get worse. But it seems like it's actually pushed you into that that better place, which is great to see. I think. Yeah, and it's, I, I just do you know what it is? If it all stopped now, or I continued at this level, I would be so happy. Do you know what I mean? And like, is it like it's always about fucking money? Mm which is a really frustrating thing. And like, I'm not driven by money. I promise you. And I think a lot of people say that. But money's a byproduct of success, right? All I want to do is do something that people go, oh my God, that's quite cool. Mm. 
that feeling you get when people say that's amazing what you're doing or you know that is unbelievable and you know we get messages and stuff like that and okay what's the difference now okay then we're going to be worth 100 million in 10 years like like that's great but it's not honestly about having this lifestyle now I'm in the same house I was in I'm skint you know but I'm happy and that I would I would comfortably stop now and just be like I'm happy and just like, let's just do this forever because I can't wait to go to bed to go up in the morning. Yeah. That is happy, not about how much money I've got in the bank. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one thing I'm interested about that is you mentioned, obviously, obviously, I know I know your startup is bigger than mine. So you're 16 staff. It's significantly more operationally than, than ours. Um, and you've got Jack as well. It's so busy, right? Um, do you think that, let's say you, that... You, Warpaint finished tomorrow do you think that you could ever like relax or do you think you're now in this sort of like net set position that you have to you have to be as busy as you are now because I, I think that um, and, I, and I think oh people always think oh, I'm going to retire I'm going to lie on a beach one day just chill out that's that's going to be my life for the last 30 years of my life or whatever but I just can't see that ever happening <laughs> Never, mate. And do you know what it is? Like, that's the what I was just talking about there about money. What, what do you think about all these huge entrepreneurs who've like Elon Musk, the amount of things he's done? Do you think he could reti- he could retire ten years ago and lay on the beach and be comfortable? But it's not about the money. Do you know what I mean? It's about that buzz. Mm-hmm. You know, when you secure a deal or you do something that's really cool, you get customers say it's amazing, or you get you know that affirmation of someone saying mm-hmm. that. And that's why they do it. Yeah, it's about, and it's about keeping, if you're busy and you're active and stuff like that, generally you'll be healthier anyway. So if if, uh, if I stop now and say, right, okay, we're going to, someone's going to buy a company for ridiculous amounts of money where it's not worth. And I'm going to go, right, I'll I'm, I'm just going to sit and do nothing. I couldn't think of anything yeah, worse. I literally couldn't. And that's the whole point. And I think once you get that bug of what I'm doing now, like that's why Jack, you know, not that it's it's, it's going to take me aside from Warpaint. It's very hand in hand what yeah. it's doing. It's just that I, I see that as another another elevation of our brand, mm. giving back. And that's been hard. It's a whole startup I've done in mm. eighteen weeks, and I've managed to do it a lot quicker because I've learned from before. But can you imagine that? I'm running Warpaint. It's yeah. been crazy. I lost half a stone mm. in weight, but, but that was because I was excited <laughs> and the adrenaline yeah. of it, and that's. It's like the buzz when I can remember the day when I made the decision that I was going to do war paint. I, I was on the golf course with my best mate. I kept talking about men's makeup brand. He said, Dan, stop talking about it and do it. And it was literally like someone did that and flicked the switch. I got off the golf course. Couldn't wait to get off the golf course, by the way. Sat in my car for four hours in the car park and called everyone I knew about how to start a brand. And then from that night when I went home, I was buzzing because I'd made the decision to start it and then all the time, I was still in my full-time job, but in my back of my mind, I was like, oh my God, I've got this, I'm doing this thing. And it wasn't about making money. It was about the buzz of doing yeah, absolutely. it. absolutely. And honestly, if you're doing, this is the other thing I see, right? You see founders or entrepreneurs who go and, you know, like these, like I swear anyway, so I will swear, but these bullshit things you see on Instagram and stuff. And do you know what they are? Or on LinkedIn. Hi guys, like, Follow me. I'll tell you how to make a hundred grand in a month from buying products and selling yeah. them on Amazon. It's so easy. Da-da-da-da. Just buy my ebook. Buy my um, <laughs> buy my ebook or come onto yeah. this course with me. It's so okay. That person is absolute crass. That is not entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship has become this cool thing, and it's not. It's nothing to do with that. And if you think like, oh, I've seen a product, but I don't really believe in, but I think I'll make a load of money out of it. That is not entrepreneurship. You're not bought into that brand. You're not bought into what you're doing. Yeah. You're doing it to make money. That's very, very I'm very passionate yeah, it's about It's very that short because... term, isn't it? I mean, you might get that buzz from taking that two grand from someone for your course, and but actually that won't generate any any form of happiness in you. And I, I completely resonate. And for them, by the way, trust me, those courses are a load of rubbish. They're a load of rubbish. If you pay two grand... It's just ridiculous, you know, and that's what that's what the ugly side of it is around, you know, buy this product here or drop shipping and you can buy well, the drop shipping has a place, but you can buy this product because it's a fad and you mm-hmm. can make a load of money on it. You know, is that really gonna fulfill you? Yeah. Absolutely not. Do something that you believe Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And do something I, I feel exactly the same way. I, when 
we spoke a bit about before about I said, well maybe before maybe on the talk but about you having your um your bouncy castle business when you were 16 um and um my brother and i set up a um a protein fruit smoothie company when i was a teenager as well and um never got anywhere um but had a had a great time made a little logo on some online website or something and um i think the the reason why i love parlor so much is that I've had so many entrepreneurial ideas over the years and never executed on any of them. And that's probably why one of my first questions to you was, it's all fine having the idea, but actually executing is the big thing. Because now looking back at it, it seems like men's makeup's a really obvious idea with hindsight. Um, But actually being the person that executes on it to such a a level is, um, that's where the real real joy is, right? Did you... (laughs) Yeah, and you know what it was? That I was prepared to lose everything. That's the other thing. If you're not prepared or you mm. can't do it, then don't, right? But if you've got a real thought, like, I remorse my house, not lose everything, you know, some car, left a good job, had a good career, but I'd rather have tried something and failed. Because then if I'd look back in years to come and I'd not tried it, I would apps. Like, yeah, can you imagine now? Like, what, yeah. like someone else would have done it and then other brands are coming now there's loads of other brands like I would have absolutely been sick to my stomach even if I'd but if I tried and failed it wouldn't have yeah. me as that much you know so that's the other thing as well but don't risk it You're if you can't like yeah yeah 100%. and how do you balance uh, that and this is a very personal selfish driven question for me but how do you balance that mind that is so driven and so passionate about the project at the same time as being a family man and a dad quite easily because i think there's different different people who go different ways right so i work hard like every founder i work eight o'clock in the morning you know, I'm in the office or half seven, you know, I work flat out till five o'clock, flat out, and I don't stop. But when I get home, I stop. Right? I didn't before, when I, but that's very difficult when you first start a brand mm. at the beginning. It's half, it's 24 hours. But I've learned now that, you know, I leave the office, go, right, guys, I'm going now. You know, but I'm a whirlwind in the office, as you probably imagine. You know, ideas and I like, want to work. But then when I get home, I don't really? look at my emails. Yeah, because do you know what will happen? You get an email ruin, ruin at five o'clock. Imagine it's a bit of bad. <laughs> yeah. You brew it or you reply back to them. What are they going to do? They're going to reply back to you the next day. So what is the point of going through that turmoil at night? Or even if it's good, mm. yeah, you get all excited about it. Five if something's wrong, someone will call you. Something drastically going wrong, you get the phone. That's what I tell all my staff. If something's going wrong at night or whatever, call mm. me. I'll pick it up every time. But what I'm not doing is going back and forth in emails because when I get home through at five o'clock, I play with my kids. I always buy for my kids every night and I put them to bed and I sit down and I watch telly and I relax. Because if I didn't, I would burn out very, very quick, very quickly. You know, and I think that's a, at the beginning, it's really hard though. Yeah, I'm saying it now because yeah. you know, I've got a team and stuff when, like when that. When do you think but you put those beginning, boundaries in you know, position? Uh, the last, since I brought in my CEO, so I brought in CEO pretty really early, if I'm honest. I couldn't like, I couldn't afford him, but I knew I needed it. Um, How early? That's like, operations. When, when yeah, so I, uh, a oh, month wow, before okay. on Dragon's Den. So I didn't have him then. Uh, and he's, you know, he was yeah, Tangle yeah. Teaser, you know, the hairbrush. He was his their CEO for eight, eight years, Matt Lump. So he's been with me for 18 months. Um, and having a team in place, you know, I started then being like, well, I'm going to get home. And it made, it changed everything because, you know, of course I'd lie there sometimes at night and I can't sleep and I'm thinking about yeah. ideas. I have to wake up yeah. and put them on my phone, but that's just natural. But what I'm not doing is getting home going, sorry, kids, I can't play with you because I've got to reply yeah. to this email. No one's going to reply back to me anyway. You know, I've got to finish this spreadsheet. Yeah, one of the, one of the things know? I hate about being a founder is having to say to my little girl who's now three, uh, like, daddy's got to go to so she'll want to play or something and i'll be like daddy's got to go and do some work now and it's like you can just see the the disappointment in her face and it's literally soul destroying um and yeah finding that balance at the beginning is very very difficult it's hard, just, if if you don't do yeah. something at the moment for us anyway if, if i don't do something no one else is going to do it so 
and it needs to be done. <laughs> so that's that's, that's the difficulty. Yeah, and that's what I mean at the beginning, mate. It is really hard. And I had that as well. I just think you need to try and get to a place where you can switch off at night. Boundaries. Or not switch off, be yeah. like, do I really need to get that done? Do you know what I mean? Do I really need to do that before 9 o'clock tomorrow morning? Or if I start at 8, mm. do I need to get it done before then? A lot of the time you don't, believe it or not. A lot of the time you don't. So it's just making that that judgment. Like, for example, my son's just been, he's obsessed with football. And he just started doing football on a Monday after school. And then he, he said, can you come and watch me on Monday? You know, I've got a meeting Monday afternoon. I'm like, big meeting. And I'll move it. But yeah. I'm very fortunate because I'm a fan. I can do that, by the way. But because I'm yeah. watching play football, he's asked me to do it. Well, I couldn't have done that before, but I've learned. That's that. key, right? That's what it's all about. Because forget it. If you if, like, say, Yeah, say it explodes. Yeah, but then my kids... I, I, I had that a little bit, right, with my dad. Entrepreneurial and stuff like that. I'd never really... Yeah. I never saw him when I was growing up. So I was about 12, 14. And then I could go down the pub with him and play pool. But before that, never saw him. After He wasn't with my mum, but, I, you know, very rare I'd see him. Um, yeah. And, you know, I remember that. Yeah, and I do here. not want that with my kids. Same here. It's, yeah, well, that, you have... I think you've got to be aware of these things because it's it's very easy to get just wrapped up in in uh in all the diff- in all the elements that are necessary and it's uh it's easy to forget what you're doing exactly, exactly. But that's what you're doing it for it's what, yeah. it's what you're doing it for your kids yeah so what's the point of doing it for your kids and like making them proud when at the end they you sit home around and you didn't have any time with them like what's the balance the balance is that you should have time with your kids right mate well we're almost at the end of our chat but i want to just fire through a, a couple of um couple of quick rapid fire questions uh, before we finish up so um all right wicked. first one i'll start with a tricky one <laughs> um if you had to choose two words to describe yourself what would they be uh passionate and emotional nice like it uh tell us one thing that you are most grateful for right now um our kids without like without question love it and this is a bit of a random one, but what's on your bedside table? Uh, I haven't got a bedside table. Okay. <laughs> I genuinely, I haven't. I've got a club. I see it. I just, just, just your phone. Just my phone. I see it. I just okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. No books. No nothing. Yeah. No. Okay, yeah, fine. Nice and simple. Minimal. Um, okay, and um, the last question, which is the question that we ask everyone uh, at the end of the show, is what's the one small change that you've made in your life that you'd wish you'd made earlier? Believing in myself. Big one, that is, makes for me. Because that caused me a lot of stress and anxiety. Mm. And I'm not being, it's not an arrogant belief in myself, it's just having confidence that maybe I can do it where before I, I didn't and I said that changed a lot for me I, I still not 100% and it's probably not a quick fire answer but it's still not 100% where it should be but that's changed a lot for me yeah I think confidence is such a powerful tool if you can use it in a very specific way in a way that it doesn't become arrogance and doesn't go too far in the other direction but also that you have yeah. enough confidence to to execute on what needs to be done I had a really awesome quote from Matthew Syed the other day that said uh, the best leaders have confidence in execution, but humility in evaluation. So they get the job done, but then they are their, in a positive way, their their biggest self-critics and they don't walk around like the big I am, like, look at me, I'm the founder of Warpaint or whatever. They have that humility, but they, they're confident to execute when it needs to be needs to be done. That's so, so right, man. I think if you... I hope I don't come across as arrogant because that's the one thing I don't want to do ever. And it's what I'm saying about the confidence side is that honestly, I used to like, like I used to come home and think, I can't do this. I can't do that. And that's a, that's what gives you anxiety and makes everything worse. But when you actually like start believing in it, like you actually, I can maybe do this. And then it's exactly right. I think if you ask any of my team, you know, about that, hopefully they'll sort of say, you know, I've never raised my voice or, never say they're wrong do you know what i mean that's because that's not what i want what i want people to say well done because that's the way i like we used to say I mean, if someone says oh no you're terrible at that that would grill on me for a long long time and i think that's been the way in, in especially in corporates you know it's about the negative and not about the positive and that's what i want to be is just about being positive and that's positive with myself absolutely well. 
Brilliant, mate. Well, thank you so much for that chat. That was really, really, really powerful, really honest. And uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Lots for me to take away there myself. So I'm glad we, I'm glad we got it done. And um, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing Warpaint go from strength to strength. And, and I can't wait to see uh, the Jack platform when it, when it comes out. Cheers, Simon. Thank you so much for having me on. Well done, mate, on Dragon's Den. Hi guys, Simon again here. Just one more thing before you guys go. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope it gave you an immense amount of value. If I could ask just one thing of you all, please subscribe to the podcast. Please share it. Please write a review if you enjoyed it. Please talk to your friends about it. The bigger the podcast gets, the better the guests I can get on and the more value I can give back to you all. So that's it from me. I'll see you on the next one. And until next time, enjoy the ride.